28 days after the Lutz family moved into their dream house. They were running for their lives. What happened to them is an experience in terror you will never forget. And you will believe in the Amityville horror. From the best-selling book that made millions believe in the unbelievable, the Amityville horror. Are you good? Okay, good, because we're already recording. Oh. Damn it. Do that to me every time. It's it's a thing now. Mommy made me mash my M&Ms. What? Oh, are you are you warming up? Yes. I did that in the last episode. Remember? What was yours? Red leather? Red leather, <laughs> yellow leather. Dude, I cracked <laughs> myself up right. so hard by doing that that I had to, like, quickly, like, toss it out of my brain. So I'm like, that was so funny. I can't take any of this seriously anymore. I was I like, I need to stop speak, thinking so. about this. What I listened to, there was a solid... Ninety second span where you guys are both just taking turns oh, yeah. laughing. We can't. Yeah. Once it starts, it's fucking. No. We can't no. do it. It was nice because then I could actually read. Because I was reading, researching while it was, I was nice, so I could get something could done get some while done. you yes. you bitches cackle. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Anyways, anyway, this is hauntings and homicide. Um, would you <laughs> would you like to do your thing? Hi everyone, I'm Selena. I literally have no business doing this, and that is never more apparent than it is today, oh, yeah. as you will find out. We're a mess. Oh. We say that every time, but no, you today don't we literally are the most amateur people that we could be. They're only saying that because I read a single book. But my name is Ricky, and uh, I'm their first guest, and I'm honored to be here. And I also have no business being here, I assure you. But I did read the new book on, or not the new book, the original book on the Amityville horror uh-huh. that came out in the seventies. Also, you have um, various degrees? Yeah, I've got a bit of an education. Would you like to tell us what those degrees are? Uh, I've got degrees in biomedical engineering, business, and law, and I've passed the California bar, so I know a little bit about, not about true crime specifically, but about the theme and topic that is crime and law, Um, so I can throw in my hat to that and this paranormal stuff I'm complete neophyte to, but I'm enjoying learning about it as I go, so interested to see what you guys have to say about it. Also, this is the first time we've had, like, a full-on skeptic, like, throwing in their opinions. Because Lena and I both believe in this stuff. Yeah. I teeter, depending yeah, on... Yeah, we both do, but, like, Ricky doesn't believe any of it. Hold on, before you keep going, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, but you didn't say your thing. Because Ricky interrupted us. I know. <laughs> I was oh, going to point you said that out. Supposed People to looked at me and I talked. <laughs> I, okay. Just, you know, I just want to put this out there. Ricky was invited onto this show. He's my best friend. He's not mansplaining to us. We asked him for his advice and his opinions. So if you hear him interrupting me, it's okay. He actually is just... We, he's I'm pretty sure he's smarter a, than both of he's us. A, oh, yeah. But I'm declaring right now that my opinions on this mean far less than either of theirs. Oh, thank you. So he's he's okay. So he's okay. Don't attack him. He's a good one. Okay, <laughs> go ahead. Heather's making me do my spiel about being scared of everything and sleeping with the nightlight, which actually I was scared this researching this thing. Yeah. And I actually almost couldn't sleep. So, so anyway, I'm Heather and as always, I haven't slept in years. Um, also speaking of nightmares, I've been having Elisa lamb nightmares. She keeps crawling out of the water tank, like the girl from the ring and standing at the edge of my bed, just staring at me. Ew. You have vivid nightmares. Oh girl. Can I have a catchphrase? Um, yeah. What's your catchphrase? I'm Ricky and I sleep during the day only. <laughs> that is 
so true. He sleeps until like 3 p.m. Hey, hey. He goes to bed One at like six, 7 a.m. So this is like the morning for you. It is. Uh, it's early afternoon. Early afternoon. Sometimes um, he texts me before he goes to bed, which is when I'm waking up, and we'll just catch just each works. other. Like, if we have plans for that day, be like, hey, yeah, going to bed. Going to bed, bed now. Work. Have a good day at work. It's weird. It's very weird. Oh, although you did day. text me at 3 a.m. last, well, this morning, and I answered oh, you. shot. He was like, she's, why are you answering me? Usually she's pretending to sleep right then. Yeah, I know. I'm like, you'll put your phone away. Yeah, my phone's not. I Actually, I forgot to put it on silent, so it. Thank I Jesus. got a text message, and I answered it. Okay. Anyway, um, should we talk about... By the way, I got Heather. I didn't get Heather. It was it was free at the concert I went to, you a stress it. ball. Yeah. And, and my, I'm being obnoxious with it. I think it's... No, not it's a bad idea. She wants me to stop clicking my pen, so she um, got me. A... She brought it up first. We went shopping, and she wanted to get the Stranger Things. The squishy ball. Squishy ball. Oh, and then I was going to get you the toddler toy, but then you got upset that it was a toy. I was, I was offended. It's like Toddlers. a squeaky toy, but we'll take out the squeaker. So if you hear something like a squishy sound, it's me. Well, no, because I think earlier you were like, I was smashing it on the table like this, like right in front of the mic. So, oh my god, we'll see. Anyway, we're doing um, the Amityville scenario today. I wanted to say murders, scenario? but there's more than just murders going on. There's hauntings. There's ha- This is basically, like, the most up-our-alley case that there could be. Like, there's a murder. There's hauntings. There's it's hauntings movies. and homicide. It's, like, literally... Which is funny. Our holy grail case. Prior to Friday, I knew nothing about any of it. I really didn't know as much as I thought. And also, Ricky just made a whole bunch of notes in about my notes. five minutes. <laughs> so I knew even less than I. I've never seen the movies. Any of all, all I like, I didn't even know there was an original one. I thought Ryan Reynolds was the original <laughs> right? one. What do you mean? So, what? I didn't know. Okay, you I, guys are both fired. I've been I'm wondering done. whether that was really Ryan Reynolds in my head because it's been so long. So thank you for. Yeah, you know, no, it was me. him. I'm not crazy, at least not yeah. for that reason. I, I haven't seen any of them either, but I at least knew that. The originals. I didn't know there was... I told you. I, it's it's scary. I don't watch it. And it, my, my other podcast is a horror movie podcast. So if I, I didn't know. know that, then I would have to, like, quit. And you're making me... But that's the name. Does Wait, Jaws take place about? in Amityville? What? What's, what's the name of the beach? Jaws takes place. Like, the shark was in the house. <laughs> 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 He's in the bathtub. Thrashing sure around. <laughs> Look, everything fucking happened in this house. I wouldn't be surprised if there's like a ghost shark. In Universal Studios on the Backlot Tour, um, there's a sign that you go past that says, Welcome to Amityville, right before the part with Jaws. And I haven't seen Jaws since I was like 10. Is Jaws, so I be totally does that take place in New York? Yeah, Is that off of New I think York? so. New York or New Long Jersey, Island? right? Anyway, y'all want to talk about Amityville? Sure. You guys ready? No? Lena wants to say something. <laughs> no, I don't. Yeah, you do. No, I don't. You have a tangent? No. Let's do all the tangents I up feel top. very, um... I never... Okay. Every episode we go into, I feel kind of, sort of, like... You feel unprepared. Unpre- no, I definitely feel unprepared today. Okay. I think I'm... I don't know. We'll see how this goes. All right. So, um... Let's talk about Amityville. Amityville, Long Island, was once a popular tourist destination for elite socialites, movie stars, and mobsters. (laughs) (laughs) 
At one point, you could have easily run into Annie Oakley or Al Capone out on the happening Long Island nightlife scene. In 1974, a cataclysmic event occurred that changed the Amityville reputation forever. Ronald DeFeo Jr. murdered all six of his family members in the dead of night as they slept peacefully in their beds. The next family to move into the home that had been the scene of the gruesome murders at 112 Ocean Avenue began experiencing paranormal phenomenon almost immediately. This would become what is now known as the most famous haunting in history, the Amityville House of Horrors. Do you want to tell me about that gesture that you made at me when I said literally one sentence? I was just mouthing the word Jaws because I was like, maybe it was there. Celebrity destination for vacations? <laughs> it looked like a crazy It did, right? He was like, it's already trash. It's already wrong. No, everything you were doing was perfect. And I was reading it, and I'm like, is this wrong? <laughs> oh, good God. Was... Anyway, Selena, take it away. So, Ronald DeFeo Jr., who was also known by his nickname Butch, which I will be referring to him as, so... Because there's too many Ronnies. Hey, Butch. That's what's happening. He was born September 26, 1951 in Brooklyn, New York. His parents were Ronald and Luis DeFeo, and he was the oldest of five children. Ronald Sr. worked for his father-in-law's Brooklyn Buick dealership, and he provided his family with a comfortable upper-middle-class lifestyle. But he was kind of an ass. So he was a domineering authority... Authority... Authoritative. It's happening. I said it for you. Go ahead. Thank you. Sorry, I just got a weird glimpse of like, um, no. What? South Park. What? What? Please elaborate. Yeah. (laughs) No. What? You have to share with the class? I slap you. I slap you. No. Respect my authority. Yes. Hartman. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. I'm with you. He was overweight when he was a kid. Oh, so I can't. Okay, I'm laughing now. That's just where my brain's that's going today. That's a really today. fucking funny episode. That's like one of the most iconic. So that's why, like, I don't know why I jumped to you that You wanted right to now. say authorita? I did. All right. Go ahead. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. I am a cop, and you will respect my authorita. Well, anyways, he was an ass. We're just going to go with that. Okay. Dan, he got into fights with his wife and children. He was just a douche of a dad. And Butch, unfortunately, got the brunt of most of it because he was the oldest and his his father expected a lot from him. He was also the subject of schoolyard bullying to, due to him being overweight. And he was just kind of like a tall, like, husky guy. And kids are asses, so it happens. Kids are the worst. They are. So as Butch matured, he began lashing out physically against his father and a few of his friends. His parents took him to a psychiatrist, but the visits didn't sit so well with him. So he eventually stopped going. His parents then tried to use incentives to appease him, like getting him a $14,000 speedboat. Nice gift. Who the f- like, your kid's a ass? So, like, here. Some pretty standard around rich people. Southern California. I was going to say yeah. that does sound right. Yeah. That ex- Yeah. Here's a we went to we definitely went to high school with people BMW 328i didn't deserve oh, the nice things which they had. which one you, you guys went to Esperanza yeah I was gonna say we're that. from your Belinda yeah. we, we know the land about, of gracious living yeah exactly that sure whatever the land of I expensive bribes we had a new Beamer before she was old enough to drive it and Disgusting. her dad only trusted himself and me to drive it and it was awesome 
I was gonna say because since we work right by Canyon, I feel like every time I see like a dumbass fourteen year old in a Beamer, I'm like fourteen. Like, well, that's not sixteen. Sorry, sixteen. I saw one the other day. I was like, Um, are you on a booster seat? (laughs) So stupid. Anyways, that's Southern California, I guess. Mm -hmm. So at the age of seventeen, he had become an LSD and heroin user. And was expelled from school for his violent outburst. That's, like, really young. Yep. Yeah. I didn't know a lot of LSD and heroin users in high school. Oh, I did. Maybe LSD and maybe heroin. I did not know a lot of I did. Really? Oh, yeah. We ran in different crowds. Yeah, we really did. What? Like, I just knew people that smoked weed. Oh, bruh. I have, like, four friends that are dead from heroin overdoses that went to Esperanza. Yeah. Just to tell me who Your Belinda is, is okay, big so, on drugs. So is Canyon. They're known as the pharmacy, That's which true. I think is crazy. It, does it do with, like, having more money? Yes. Yeah? Because you can afford, like, Coke and other, like... Yes, and they're just, like, like designer drugs. drugs. They really wanted to feel bored like, with their, like, rich people problems? I don't think people in, like, low-income areas really get 2CB and 2CI and other weird-ass designer drugs on the market. What the hell is that? I've heard it's a bit like LSD and ecstasy combined. Mm. Never do that on myself. Yeah, I don't. Apparently, I don't mess I'm, with I'm naive on the drug front. I just know of weed and cocaine. Is the only ones you've ever heard of? Well, I'm Colombian, <laughs> so you're what's, Colombian. What's this? Cocaine like runs uh, through my blood. You I know? didn't know that. You didn't know I was Colombian? No. What'd you think I was? I guess I hadn't really thought about just it. Just some sort of brown person. I was gonna guess Argentinian. Oh yeah, you could definitely. Oh, be Argentinian. I could see that. But yeah. Columbia. Oh, cool. Like Shakira. Like Shakira. I We're love slowly Shakira. building profiles of everybody so that people, like your listeners, can actually probably find you guys. Like, all right, writing down like your Belinda looks Argentinian. I said you and I are from your Belinda. That doesn't true. mean anything. That's true. Um, Heather's mom got mad at us once because we talked about going to um, Rodrigo's. Rodrigo's. And she was There's like, There's a Rodrigo's like everywhere. I know. <laughs> but she was like, <gasps> Where did they go? And like, but by the time this airs, we will have already been there. Yeah. And also, we didn't even go the day we said we were going to go. No. We changed our plan. So if you're trying to stalk us at Rodrigo's, good luck. <laughs> what? I was laughing a lot. Oh, sorry. Jesus. Like, what are you laughing at? <laughs> like, only we can laugh. That was so aggressive. You're not allowed to laugh. <laughs> oh, you're being so mean. <laughs> Don't say that to him. He, like, always goes around and acts like I abuse Y'all, him. Y'all, what? What now? What, what are, are you, you looking doing? at? She hits me in public. See? He's... Don't feed his... Aaron L. Sharp, He's, are you just going to, like, dig into him if he does something? She doesn't do that, really, actually. I don't physically. She really emotionally and verbally. You're, you're mean to me, too. Never. Yes, you are. Mm. See, this, this just turned into, like, the Dr. Phil hour. <laughs> Hi. I'm your host. Jerry Springer. Welcome. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. The says you are the father. Let me just try to figure out what's happening. Apparently there's Nothing. now we're, abuse we're doing, on Heather's part. We're doing a bit. Just ignore us. That's going to happen again, probably. One day we'll actually be... No, we're not. I say that every episode. No, and we're l- it's never happened. It's like this is episode backwards. seven. Seven <sighs> weeks. Six weeks. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Please continue. <laughs> Anyways, he was expelled for school, from school from his, uh, for his violent outburst, and, you know, because he became a drug addict at 17. So even with his troubles, his parents still tried to reward him. 
Butch received a prized position at his grandfather's car dealership. He would earn a weekly stipend from his father, Ronald Sr. Regardless of his attendance or job performance, they still gave him money, which... Ridiculous. That's... I mean, that's a come up. Psychologists would call that unhealthy. Yeah. I would say so. So, Butch funneled the salary into his new car, which was also another present from his parents. As well as guns, alcohol, and drugs. Goody. Sounds like a good old time. Sounds like a party. But just behavior. And a speedboat. <laughs> party on the speedboat? Guns and drugs and a speedboat. Like, chill, bro. Right? Yeah. Also, how much money do you make at a car dealership that you're just throwing Apparently money? Apparently a lot. It's a pretty affluent area from yeah. the sound of it. So yeah. maybe they were selling some pretty nice cars, making mm-hmm. some good commission mm-hmm. off of people who had extra money and didn't haggle. Mm-hmm. It's possible. People are on vacation. They're feeling good. And they're like, yeah, I need I'm to go buy a Buick. I'm going to buy whatever a Hummer was in 1975. I am loaded on cocaine. <laughs> and it sounds like a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is good. Mm-hmm. So, but just behavior only got worse. He threatened his friend... His friends with a rifle. Oh. <laughs> uh. I don't well, think I'm. I'm laughing at the fact that he's threatening his friends with a rifle. Oh my god! That's it. Escalated quickly, bro. Don't, if I had a friend who, th- who pulled a gun on me, that's not my friend anymore. Like, yeah, why are I you hanging he, out? With- he had money. I don't care. What? All right, let me do this once again. Butch's behavior only got worse. He would threaten his friends <laughs> with a rifle. During- <laughs> it is funny. It's funny. It's not, but it is, and I'm sorry, but oh my god. Antisocial personality so, yeah. disorder. <laughs> so yeah, he would threaten his friends with rifles, you know, and then act like nothing had happened. <laughs> like every, you know. It's cool. Like, sorry, bro. He's like, sorry, guys. Haha, <laughs> that was crazy. Anybody want to get in my speedboat? There weren't any bolts in it except 12. <laughs> Got some alcohol and some LSD. It I put so many drugs in my speedboat. <laughs> <laughs> this is not. It sounds like the main antagonist in an 80s movie. It sounds like it's Miami Vice, man. <laughs> it's like five years before his time. Totally. Uh, He's Biff from Back to the Future. Yeah, he is. He, you know who he is? He's um, Joe Jr. from While You Were Sleeping. While You Were Sleeping. I know this the Sandra one. Bullock. And I know. I haven't seen it since it came out. You haven't seen it since it came out? Yeah. It's like the late 90s. It's always on like TNT. I have it on DVD. I love that movie. Yeah. Hey, Pot. Can I give that bottle of blue on you got from Cousin Ornella to my probation officer? You see, we got some company. Hello, Luce. Nice, uh, sweater. Thank you. So, uh, we'll see you a nice girl. Joe Jr. is still single. Yeah, it's shocker. Okay. He um, attempted to shoot his father with a 12-gauge shotgun during... <laughs> with the shotgun. <laughs> Someone take this guy's shotgun away. The what are you doing? Rifle, so maybe they took the rifle he away. He had a plethora. What's the difference? A what? shotgun. They're, those are different things? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Uh, 
Imagine like a shotgun. It's I've like never thought about it. Before. Stocky thing with a like, huge barrel because yeah. it shoots shells. Like those yeah, that are full of stuff. I, and I thought those, the rifle is I like. I thought those were the same thing. Better for hunting from a distance and more accurate. Uses a smaller caliber and. So he. So what you're telling me is that he's got two guns. Well, it's and he, he spent his money on guns. He's got all, multiple all guns. guns, and he's just going around threatening his friends, his family. Like, stop giving this man guns. Please take them there's away. There's going to be another gun that pops up. <laughs> At least one more gun is involved. Today. I don't know. We're not even done. I don't know guns, so clearly neither do I. I did. I didn't know the difference between a rifle. and a Whatever. Shotgun. A shotgun is what um. What's the cartoon? The Elmer Fudd. Thank you. Oh my god. Back to cartoons. Again. I got you. <laughs> a rifle is like a sniper when a sniper uses. A shotgun has like a spray to it. I thought whatever. Doesn't matter. Go yeah, on. Yeah, you get hit with a shotgun, Doesn't you're like matter. dying. Because it, th- it well, right? that's true of rifles as well. well. If you get hit with a bullet, <laughs> but isn't the shotgun the out. one that like like kind of shrapnel? Sprays. If you shoot somebody from far away with a shotgun, they might end up just very bloody and not dying. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you can just mess you up, but a rifle is meant to penetrate. So that's the difference. But if you're point blank with a shotgun, it will also very much penetrate you. This is mm, now the gun penetrate. hour. <laughs> penetrate. <laughs> Sorry, go on. <laughs> I'm done, I promise. I'm still just on my first page. Oh. <laughs> Where was I? You can do this. Yeah. Uh, oh, so he shot, he attempted to shoot his dad. Um, he even pulled the trigger at point blank range, but the gun malfunctioned. Uh huh. Dude's got some issues. Didn't even take good care of his guns. A little bit. It's because he's taking him out on the speedboat. They're <laughs> <laughs> getting kind of wet. Yeah. Started to jam. <laughs> In 1974, Butch was feeling irritated by what he felt was a measly salary and plotted to embezzle money. So the dude literally does nothing and gets a ton of money and is like, that's and not he's enough. just a raging asshole. Yeah. Absolutely kind of just, not. You know. So Butch was entrusted with depositing 20000 to the bank and he was planning a mock robbery with a friend promising to split the money. Which he almost got away with until police came to question him at the dealership. That's when he exploded with rage. Because, you know, when you're lying about stuff, you usually, like... Oh, yeah. You overcompensate. You overcompensate. And you oversell it. Yeah. Totally. You get defensive and you're like, ah, I No, I didn't! You're crazy! What are you talking about? Also, as we'll see later, he's not great at lying. No, he's he's also really stupid. He's really stupid. He looks crazy, though. Like... Sure. When... I mean, he is crazy. Well... I mean, not legally, but... <laughs> He wishes. <laughs> he wishes. He almost, in his mugshot from when, he, like, not too long, like, in his older years, he kind of has that, um, Charles Manson, oh, like, boy. crazy, yeah, like, the crazy guy. You, yeah, like Ted he, Bundy. Yeah, he has that yeah, look. Totally. It was kind of creepy. Yeah, that tends to happen. A thousand yard stare. Ooh. I mean, yeah. Yeah, it was, okay. So Ronald Sr. had suspected his son committed the robbery, but when confronted, Butch threatened to kill his father. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> Must be Tuesday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's go buy him another boat. <laughs> Get time to buy him. Time to buy Butch another boat. He tried to kill me again. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe this will fix it. I know. This time we'll get a sixteen thousand dollars. I don't understand. Is that if the dad was like an ass, but like why would you then gift your son? Right. And also, I guess at one point Ronnie like Butch tried to move out and his dad like 
stopped him? What are you do? What is this family doing? I, I mean, what? It, I don't understand it. <laughs> Look, if I, if you try to kill your parents, like obviously, like they're gonna. Well, not his parents, just his dad. Okay, whatever. He's got so, daddy like, issues. I feel like a lot of parents would be like. Bye. Pretty pissed. They want to. They wouldn't want you to go to jail, but they would try to get you some kind of. I mean, I know they tried they to talk did him into try to, it. Yeah. I know, but still, like, you need to at least get out of my house. I mean, like, I'm not going to press charges, but like, get out. You that know, makes sense. It, it's 1974. I, okay, but who knows what happened? It's not 1874. That's also when that dumbass documentary took place that abducted in plain sight. They let that dude get okay, away with everything. Those were. It was the 70s. Who knows? Selena always does this. She'd be like, it was the 40s. Like, she always acts like if it's pre-1990, it may as well be It was a different time, okay? True. Evidence recording systems were not what they are now. I mean, I know, but it's... I didn't think they had pathologists in the 40s. 40 years ago, you could do, like, a DUI and just be like, all right, well, you get home safely. You drive slowly now. They really did do that, though. Yeah. That's, like, a recent invention to... Analyze that and everything else so firmly. All right, fine. I'm I'm wrong. I'm just telling you. You're not wrong. I'm, it's the I'm 70s. It's a different I time. Disagreed. Okay. It was a, you're right. It you was got a different away time. with doing LSD and heroin and still working. And I mean that happens now. That definitely. I apparently <laughs> does at a high school that's level. That's happening right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No problem. <laughs> yeah, so he's. Anyways, dudes and ass. And we're about to find out why he's even more of an ass. So, in the early mornings of November 13, 1974, Butch took a 35 caliber Marlin, which I have no idea what... It's a fish. (laughs) (laughs) He's got a fish. He beat them to death with a fish. (laughs) Sharpen the nose. Yeah, it was a swordfish. Yeah. Did I write that wrong? No. It's probably a I know it's a gun. It's it is a marlin. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I know I've no, seen that. It's right. What is it? I don't know. It's a brand of rifle, I believe. Like Smith and Wesson is a brand or Beretta. Okay. A Marlin. There you go. I'm just being a dick. Oh, I was like, did I? No, you're right. Anyways, shot him. <laughs> <laughs> Shot him. Anyways, this gun came from his secret stash. As opposed Not to the ones that everyone knew stash. about. This is the secret stash of guns. It's under the floorboards. In this we hadn't threatened anybody with this yeah. one. Yeah. You hadn't gone around waving it around. Where This is also where, like, you're just buying a shit ton of guns. <laughs> yeah. Like, I... That's a whole nother thing. They also thing. didn't really have background Right, checks. I was going to say. Talk about it being another time. They're like, oh, you, you want another gun? Sure. Oh, you, your dad took this one too? No problem. Here you go. <laughs> Here you go, Butch. Sorry. So, he entered his parents' room. Oh, I can't talk. <clears throat> he entered his parents' room and shot them both while they were asleep. He then entered his brother's bedroom and then sister's bedroom, also shooting them point blank. All the murders took place within 15 minutes. We'll get into that, though, later, because... I have a lot of questions. I don't think your questions are going to get answered. But we all have the same questions. I can make some stuff up for answers. Please. Butch then showered, got dressed for work... Oh, my God. collected his bloody clothing and the murder weapon in a pillowcase. He dumped the evidence in a storm drain on the way to work. At the dealership, he acted shocked 
that his dad didn't show up for work, so he called looking for him. He then got bored at work, so decided to leave around noon and spent the day with friends. Noon. You know, because... This day has been so uneventful. It's like, oh. Uh, I need to get out and do something. I didn't just kill my entire family, but that's fine. I'm bored. Uh, maybe I shouldn't have killed everybody. <laughs> he attempted to secure an alibi by t- telling each of his friends that he visited that day that he couldn't seem to reach anyone at home. At 6 p.m. that night, he called one of his friends in shock, saying that someone had broken in and murdered his family. When Suffolk County detectives questioned Butch about who could be a suspect, he mentioned the name of a hitman, Louis Fellini. He said Fellini had a grudge against Butch due to some bad work done for him at the dealership. Butch said he had been up late watching TV and was unable to sleep, so he left for work early. He believed his family was still alive when he left for work. He told police about his whereabouts for that day, and they placed him in protective custody as they searched for the suspect. While searching the house for any evidence, they found an empty box for a 35 caliber Marlin gun. Or a fish. Or a fish. We're, the, we're trying to figure that one out. <laughs> it's both. Is it just a gun shaped like a fish? Yes. I like that. It's cute. That works. But, like, the fish bottles that, like, the shampoo came in, like, the cute little bubble ones, like, the kids' detangler shampoo. Do you remember that? <laughs> no more tears. No more tears. <laughs> this brand's called All the Tears. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Anyways. So, while searching the house, they found um, an empty box for a thirty-five caliber Marlin gun. So, instantly, the police started putting two and two together and felt like Butch had something to do with it. They determined the murders were in the early morning due to the family being in pajamas. So this placed Butch at the house when the murders happened. When authorities started questioning Butch, his story started changing. He said Fellini had appeared at the house early that morning, put a revolver to Butch's head. Fellini then dragged him to each room so he could see them get murdered. Police could tell he was lying, so they were trying to put pressure on him in order to get a confession. Eventually, he broke down and said, once I started, I just couldn't stop. It went so fast. What's another one of those incidents where he like oversold it he was like too specific like saying like oh and he dragged me from room to room and made me watch like yeah uh, and went crazy you got a little bit too theatrical there mm-hmm. well i think <clears throat> we learned yeah he's an idiot well yeah that was a pretty idiotic thing to say it was very stupid once it started i just couldn't stop it went so fast i guess later um it's like a pringles they try to argue that there was police brutality <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Once you pop, you just can't stop. Jesus. Um, DeFeo's trial began on October 14th, 1975, almost a year after the murders. Okay, this is where I'm going to get messed up a little bit just because there's a lot of, not attorney talk, but if you would like to interject go ahead well um i don't have substantive notes on everything that happened at trial but i know that his story changed many times over and so you just saw that from even the beginning like the first um interrogation starts with like oh there's this killer i wasn't there and like oh i was there he's dragging me oh i did it it happened so fast once i started i just couldn't stop so he never had even an ounce of credibility but his attorney tried really hard to uh plead that he had insanity as a defense so they said, you know, he's done all this LSD and heroin in the past. He was having a psychotic episode at the time. So he brought in this parade of psychologists and psychiatrists. I'm actually not sure which, but um, 
he wanted to somehow demonstrate that uh, this man was insane and therefore could not be held fully accountable for his actions. So I think this is actually an interesting little uh, piece of information regarding insanity because you'll see this a lot. It's become like somewhat of a trope when it comes to uh, murder cases in true crime where they'll say like, oh, you can just plead insanity. They're just crazy. And it's actually incredibly difficult to demonstrate insanity in an affirmative way. And there's four main tests throughout the states, and I'll just talk briefly about them, and I'll I'll hone in on the one that's used in New York where this case took place, because I think they're pretty interesting. So the first rule, um, and 25 states use some version of this rule, is called the Minotan Rule. And that actually includes California, where we are. So the standard there is that the perpetrator was unable to distinguish between right and wrong, or otherwise didn't understand what they did due to a disease of the mind. And now, as, as I read through these, you'll notice that they have a lot in common because it's only when you do get to, like, the attorney level that uh, they're that different, honestly, in terms of the elements that you have to prove. But uh, the second test is called the irresistible impulse test, which is where the defendant was unable to control their impulses due to a mental disorder. So that sounds pretty broad, but there's a lot of, you know, individual pieces that you have to put together in order to have a successful defense on that basis. Third, you've got the Durham rule, and there's only one state that uses that. I forget which one. But the, uh, that says that the defendant's mental defect must have led to the commission of a criminal act, regardless of clinical diagnosis. So that one puts a little bit more of a burden on the jury to determine whether or not this person's actually insane. And, um, you know, evidence in terms of psychological witness testimony can obviously help, but it's a little bit more vague. So in New York, for this case, uh, they tried to prove it under the modern penal code test, which is somewhat of a hybrid of those other tests. Um, and basically, it's uh, the person has to fail to understand the criminality of their acts. And like the other tests, it has a preponderance of the evidence, a preponderance of the evidence standard, which basically means that the jury has to be convinced at least fifty-one percent probability that that person's insane. So um, it's like a medium-level standard of uh, burden of proof. And you just have to convince them it's more likely than not, essentially, that this person is insane. But to do that, um, the rule states, a person lacks criminal responsibility by reason of mental disease or defect when, at the time of the prohibited conduct, as a result of mental disease or defect, that person lacks substantial capacity to know or appreciate either, one, the nature and consequences of such conduct, or two, that the conduct was wrong meaning against the law or against commonly held moral principles or both. So that really gives the jury some leeway to look at a number of different types of evidence and determine whether or not this person fit either of those descriptions, which is one of the looser standards compared to some of the other rules. And so in order to prove that, you would bring in um, expert witness in the forms of doctors and uh, psychiatrists, uh, evidence of prior hospitalizations uh, for mental defect, hospital and other medical records, and finally, the nature and manner in which the crime was committed. But in this case, um, even his own psychiatrist, I don't think, I don't remember specifically, but I don't think even his own found that he was, uh, you know, legitimately insane. And the prosecution brought in uh, expert witnesses who also did their own tests, and they said he definitely wasn't. They said that he had, what was it, Heather? Antisocial personality disorder. That one, which cannot be used as a justification for murder uh, and get away with it. So uh, that's my little bit about uh, the test for insanity. He was not found insane. In fact, he was found very much guilty. And he was uh, convicted to uh, sentence to six concurrent uh, sentences of 25 to life. Mm-hmm. And he's actually, he's still alive. In prison, he's still right? alive. Yeah. 
somewhere in New York. So I did read that uh, a psychiatrist for the defense, uh, Dr. Daniel Schwartz, supported a claim that DeFeo was neurotic and suffered from dis- disassociative disorder. Hmm. But then, like you said, okay. um, on the other side, they said that it was just antisocial, or what was it? Antisocial, antisocial personality disorder. And so you'll, you'll see then, uh, even though he had his own psychiatrist saying one thing, the jury gets to weigh all these different mm-hmm. pieces of evidence. So if uh, the prosecution's uh, expert witnesses are simply more compelling, then they're going to win. Or if it's clear that uh, DeFeo's, um, Butch's lawyer is... Uh, just getting paid to say what he needs to say to give Ronnie a fighting chance at innocence, the jury's just not going to go for that. They never do. Yeah. So that's why insanity is so hard to prove. Mm. They do throw it out there a lot, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, everybody Well, you throw it. the mud at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah. So right. that's pretty typical. Yeah. So, um, like we just said, on November 21st, 1975, they found him guilty on six counts of second-degree murder in Sentenced to six consecutive life sentences. Or, yeah. Yeah, I haven't read the full case uh, opinion, but I'm kind of surprised that it was considered to be second degree. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, what the hell's that about? First degree murder requires a greater level of premeditation. But um, I so guess maybe they convinced like the jury that it was. Passion or something? Yeah, then you can get away with secondary murder if it's considered. Because um, then that would tech, that would go crime and passion like he just snapped and then he did it, right? Not yeah. that he like brooded over it and was like. Even though he tried to kill his dad before, that's, that's, there's some premeditation going on here. Yeah, I think that the that's jury was weird. taking pity on him to some degree. Cause Why? I think He's I don't know dipshit. if New York has a death penalty, but this sounds like he should have gotten the chair to me. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, I, well, New York doesn't now, but I think it might have in the 70s. Mm. But... Um, yeah, I mean, the, you look at different factors for premeditation, and, like, the fact that he had previous incidents of, you know, mm-hmm. scamming his parents, threatening his parents, threatening his friends, the fact that he had a plan by which he laid them all out, uh, all out face down on their beds, and that he was able to put all the, the evidence away in the drain, and he had, like, seen, he went to work, he tried to set up alibis, that sounds just, like, so planned to me. Yeah. And I'm really surprised he got away with second degree. Well, got away. He's still in prison forever. Yeah, I know, but still. So, I did read, though, that they did find new evidence suggesting that there may have been another killer involved with the shooting. Because there's some weird things about it. Because, granted, it was a three-story house. I doubt sound doesn't travel at all, considering that it's a fucking gun you're shooting. How does nobody wake up? How does nobody try to fight him off? They were all found lying on their stomach. So, there's just weird stuff with that. The fact and, that no neighbors heard is really weird. Yeah, because all... That makes no sense. All they, they said was that, that they heard was um, a dog barking. That was it. They're, right. They're like... And they did a test. Like, they went to the house and they, like, shot the gun. Mm-hmm. And, and there was no evidence that he ever used some sort of silencer. muzzle or silencer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. There was no silencer or anything. So... I'm, what? And then toxicology reports came back saying that the family wasn't drugged, which that would explain why they were all facing down and no one had moved. Well, maybe he, like, ordered them to stay face down. And then just, like, pop, pop. Yeah. It's possible. It was, like, lay down because he didn't want to see their faces because they're his family, you know? And then the kids, maybe they came in and he was like, get I back in like your bed and face the wall. Because his siblings were a lot younger than him. Yeah. Ugh. Well, uh, Dawn was, I think, 18, 18 and the yeah. ones were low teens or tweeners. 
Okay. Um, but he was so 24, yeah. right? 23. 23. Yeah. But still, that's a couple years. Like. Yeah. I don't know. That's sad. It's, it's, yeah, it's terrible. It's tragic. But, um... So, in 2012, they found new evidence, and with the help of underwater archaeologists, that was the word I was trying Ooh. to think of earlier. Fancy. I said underwater people, and then you replied with mermaids. So Right, mermaids, definitely. We'll go with that. Um, they had found a gun in the canal behind the house. Um, yeah, and then that goes pretty much into what we were just talking about. So yeah. That could have just been one of his many guns he... The so one's not in his, his the one not in his secret stash. Yeah. This is his normal stash of guns, mm-hmm. along with rifles, shotguns, LSD, heroin, heroin, yeah. speedboats. Speed you can boats. hide those pretty easily. <laughs> so yeah, that's about the actual case. And now we're gonna hear about you. Uh, you want to hear about some haunted stuff? Not really, but I want let's to do it. Okay. 13 months after the DeFeo family murders, a brand new family moved into 112 Ocean Avenue. The Lutzes, consisting of Kathy, the mother of three young children from a previous marriage, and her new husband, George, purchased the impressive home at the reduced price of 80000 due to the crime that occurred there. George Lutz also purchased the majority of the DeFeo's furniture, including Ronald DeFeo Sr.'s armchair and the youngest daughter's bedroom set. The Lutz family seemed unconcerned initially, but their casual attitude towards the dark past of their home would not last much longer. Um, I think it's weird to move into a house that people are murdered in. That and also to get their furniture. I was gonna say that's like that's cross. Yeah, I'm like, what are you doing? Like, even you as a skeptic would be like, I wouldn't want their. Death furniture. Right. Yeah, I don't think any Maybe amount of sage could like. Maybe the speedboat. Does it have the drugs and the guns in it? Still? Yeah, speedboat, guns, drugs, cash. <laughs> sure. For eighty thousand, that's not chair? bad. That's a deal. I know, Get but the F out. yeah, because I think he bought all the furniture for like only four hundred dollars. Hundred dollars, yeah. yeah. But well, he's been still, looking. He's been looking for thirty on. to fifty, so they really stretched their finances to get to the eighty. But it was just such a steal because it should have been worth like yeah. well over a hundred thousand. Still. It that, that's, me out. that's grody for him. It to is. Furniture, especially for his daughter. Buy your daughter right? a bed. Don't. That little girl was murdered. Yeah. And now you're going to give the your daughter the murder. Murderature? I may not really believe in the supernatural, <laughs> but that's asking for supernatural stuff to happen to you. I can kill myself. Um, <laughs> we, came, I said we came up with the new word. I love it. We came up with a new word. What? Murderature? Mm-hmm. No. Murderature. At the urging of friends, the Lutzes decided it wouldn't be a bad idea to have the house blessed by a Catholic priest, just in case. Father Ray Mancuso? I can't read your writing. Went room to room, performing his ritual, and when he was finished, he informed George Lutz about something strange he had experienced in a room upstairs. An evil presence had made itself known to him by screaming, Get out! directly into his ear. Upon hearing this, George explained that they had intended to use that room for sewing purposes only, and the priest replied that as long as no one was sleeping in it, everything should be fine. Okay, here we have George Lutz's second mistake. If if someone told me that they heard that in a room, I'd be like, oh, we're leaving. And, he, and they're just like, oh, well, no one's going to sleep in there, so it's fine. Like, eh. This is after he's already spent more money than he actually has on the house, though. I guess so you're you right. gotta try to figure something know. out. I don't know. Maybe they. Plus, he like, wasn't Catholic. 
Kathy was. I mean... His dad wasn't. How many red flags do you have to have, though? Oh, so many. Because, I mean, technically, the house being blessed isn't weird. It's not out of the ordinary. Right. A lot, I mean, a lot of people do that. Yeah. But, like, the get out would be pretty... But heavy. he's just like, well, the priest was here, and he blessed it, so it's probably gone now. I understand, um, though. She's just sewing. It's fine. It's, uh, I don't think George had met Father Mancuso before this. If I remember correctly, they'd invited him over to dinner, but they hadn't actually had the chance to meet. But it was from, I think, Kathy's old parish. So they wanted to have him come out because she's Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like an older Catholic tradition thing to bless the house when you move in. Yeah. So I don't know if George would give that much credence to what the Father Mancuso says. If He's it's just that like, portray. oh, this is weird religious shit. Yeah. yeah. This is all your hokey nonsense. I think that he was also some sort of sect of Christianity. Um, but that's that's kind of out there. Most Christians, well, I don't know about most, but a lot of Christians don't believe in the supernatural to this degree where you would give up on an $80,000 house you just bought. That's your dream house because a priest said something funky. Yeah. Priests are always saying weird shit. Okay. Almost immediately, strange occurrences began around the house that no one seemed to be able to explain. Cold spots, odd sounds, random awakenings every night at 3.15 a.m., the time the DeFeo murders occurred, and then the personality changes started. It seemed everyone in the house began to take on an increasing irritability, eventually shifting into full-on hostile. Kathy and George had never hit their children before, but as the kids became more and more out of control, so did their parents. George and Kathy uncharacteristically beat them with belts and a spoon. George began isolating himself from the rest of the family altogether, obsessing over a fireplace that never seemed to warm him enough, despite how intensely he stoked the fire. Kathy experienced a presence one day as she sat at the kitchen table, though this one was benevolent. She described it as the loving, warm embrace of someone with a mothering energy, and it patted her hand in an almost comforting gesture. Um, there's like a gazillion different paranormal experiences that happened in the house. We're not going to get through all of them because there's too many. So many. Ooze from the walls. Ooze from the walls. Smells. <laughs> and lots of poop smells. This is all just within twenty-eight days. Yeah. yeah. So the rough four weeks. That's there a lot. was the one that scared me the most was uh, Kathy seeing the crucifix turned upside down. That I didn't like that. That just sounded like the top nail came loose like to it. me. Okay. Because this was. I like that theory. I'm good with that. Dude, if that happened in my house, though, I'd burn it down. Oh, like, for sure. Obviously, there's no crucifixes around, but if if there was one, and one day I came downstairs and it was upside down, I'd be like, oh, okay. Gasoline. Where's we, the gasoline? We have a big iron wrought one, like, on, what is it? Like, the stairway, like, above it kind of thing. There's, like, a little wall that we have it on. Oh, yeah, if I saw it upside down, I'd... Nope. Run. I'm not even religious, but I'd still, that would still scare me. Well, because, you know, I was raised religious. You and I have, like, the same problem yeah. where we were scared to death. I remember, well, I have a cross on my wrist, and um, someone was like, why do you have an upside-down cross? Because to me, it's, yeah, yeah, and I was like, it made me, like, it's think. I was like, wait, no, no, don't, like, freak me out. Like, <laughs> no, it's fine. Like, what do you mean? Like, it flipped its Because it also over. means something else. An upside-down cross means something else. Well, it's supposed to be, like, satanic. Yeah, but... It's supposed to be, like, antichrist. It's something else, too, though. What? I don't... There's something else. A poorly written T. 
That's what it that could be. Missy, the daughter, told her parents that she had made friends with an angel named Jody. Jody didn't sound all too angelic, though, as Missy explained that Jody was a pig. <laughs> Pigs can be angels. They totally could. One day, George and Kathy witnessed two red eyes staring at them from a window. And that was actually the second time that George thought he saw him. One night when he was out in the middle of the night checking the boathouse, as he did, like, quasi-religiously. Yeah, he was obsessed with the He looked up at the, the window boathouse. and saw Missy looking down at him through the window, despite the fact that it was, like, 3.30 in the morning or whatever. And he thought he saw the red eyes and, uh, and a pig face behind her, and he sprinted back inside, and she was in bed by the time he got up there. Yeah, that's and in the said, book. she said, no, that was Jazzy. Ricky read the book, um, Amityville Horror, and I'm in the middle of it, so I didn't finish it in time, but... And I sure as hell will not be reading it. <laughs> I don't know why you always have to double down on the not reading and upset me all over again. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I definitely will not. I don't. Like, of all the books you're going to read, that's the last one you're going to read. It's not really written like a horror book is written like... Okay, but it's scary. Um, you wouldn't like it. I legitimately am scared of everything. Okay. So, yeah, I was like, those aren't the characters we're playing on this podcast? Those no, I'm legitimately... No, and what was even worse is after I watched the documentary, I woke up that night at 3.33. Oh, no. I literally, That's oh, supposed to be, God. like, the devil's hour. Yeah, because we can't, you know, technically have 6.66, so it's, like, oh, 3.33. I didn't know that. Yeah. I know that 3, 3 a.m. also in, like, ancient Celtic lore is, like, the time when, like, banshees would come and, like, show themselves to you. This is where I shouldn't admit that three is my favorite number and that I love it when it's 333. I commit so, all of my murders at 333, not 315. But yeah, no, I'm scared I woke up at 333. I wouldn't like that. I literally, I looked Didn't at my phone. did you text me at 3 a.m., actually? Ew! <laughs> yeah, it's his favorite hour. He just got done killing people, and he's like, oh, let me text Heather real quick. It's the riching hour. Oh, fucking God. <laughs> I love a good <laughs> no fun. No <laughs> now we're done. <laughs> you guys can have a podcast. She literally, she literally is gonna burn the computer, okay. the whole house, the whole. <laughs> Oops! I accidentally deleted this episode. <laughs> anyway, Jody the Demon Pig. Um, he. Yes, he. Him. Um. They saw Jody, blah, blah, blah. So shortly after that happened, the Lutzes moved out. And like Selena said earlier, they were only there for 28 days. So eventually all this shit just became too much. Can I talk about what drove them out? Uh Uh-huh. Okay. So uh, the final pig happening. (laughs) The last pig straw. That should be the next movie. The last pig straw or the pig (laughs) happening. Either one. The pig conjuring? The pig that broke the camel's back. (laughs) The pig that broke the Lutz's backs. <laughs> so, uh, they saw red eyes outside the window, Kathy and George, when the kids were upstairs. They sprinted outside with a flashlight to see what the source of the red eyes were. And all that George found was a set of footprints in the snow leading around the house. And he got into the house, uh, other side of the house, and uh, they led right up to the garage door. And he went to the garage, and he had seen that the actual huge garage door, like the hundreds of pounds garage door had been broken severely. And so it's just another case of like, how did this happen? Mm-hmm. So, um, and then over the course of the next few nights, he had seen on multiple occasions, Kathy levitating off the bed and he nope. tried to pull her back and there would be some sort of resistance. Uh, but when that first happened, he didn't tell her about it cause he knew that she would flip as any rightful 
right-minded person would. So he kept trying to talk to the priest and get the priest to come back and look, and the priest uh, talked to his higher-ups, and his higher-ups said, all right, you need to get these demonologists in there, you need to get certain scientific researchers to eliminate the possibility that there's a a natural scientific explanation for all this. And so he put them in touch with some people that would come out soon. But before they could come out, um, there was a final straw. Um, they tried to leave after all, well, the entire family was terrified and sleeping in the same bed eventually. This is like four weeks in. And, uh, George woke up having, like, being told that he had been speaking in tongues, multiple tongues, and could see Chris through the floor and the walls struggling with a monster in their bedroom. So when he woke up, his wife said, uh, Chris is right here. He's fine. And Chris goes, actually, I was outside going to the bathroom in the hall and I did see something. And so then they're all freaked out and they get in the van and they're piling up to leave. And then the van won't turn over. They can't get the van to start. And it's raining like crazy, so they just run back into the house, and they realize that they're trapped. And so once they were back inside, the hot house started getting crazy hot uh, for several hours, and they all went to bed, and then it suddenly got cool. And then uh, Kathy got into another trance again with her eyes open but not knowing where she was, and she went to the mirror, and then she started walking to the door, and George rushed her back to bed. And then then when they were trying to go back to sleep, she went back to sleep, but he woke up uh, again to the sound of his drawers and all the doors in the house opening and slamming shut and opening and slamming shut. And so uh, he was paralyzed until the boys came down and said, the monster's in our room, it's trying to get us, and he could hear the scraping of their beds upstairs. So uh, after that, he went into the hallway. He saw this hooded, horned figure looking down and pointing at him, and then they left. And it's actually interesting because after that, they went to her mother's house, and the book claims that that very first night in their mother's house, uh, they were both levitating again, and then when they went into the hallway, they could see black slime making its way up the stairs towards them, which they kind of don't explain in detail in the book. But apparently it followed them as long as they were in the city. And it's theorized that they had to actually cross some body of water for the evil spirit to not follow them anymore. This is, like, the most extra story ever. It's pretty bad. There's just too much. Yeah. I, I would have supported a decision to leave before they got to that point. To black like goose going up the stairs? Yeah. Going down? I understand that. A black goose coming up. That's nope. pretty, that's pretty no, bad. No, thank you. So I guess let's, you know, give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's say all of this is true. I would have straight up killed myself. Like, <laughs> I can't deal with this. Well, and also, like you said, he purchased a house way out of his price point. For you to just up and go, that's a huge thing. Like, They didn't even take their things. They brought yeah. three changes of clothes per person. That's all they brought. Everything else, like the furniture, the boat, the motorcycle, like the I'm pretty boat. sure that would all stay there. The, Later on, the son says that he just had his PJs. That was it. He didn't have anything else. Just his PJs. That's nuts. So, I mean... They must have believed something. Yeah. You had to have been that scared. And Mm -hmm. also, to, you know... Eventually, you're going to have to do bankruptcy and all that if you just, like, stop payment on a house and all that good... You know? That's Mm -hmm. a huge deal. Well, he also had to sell his company. He had his own surveying company for construction. And uh, he just... He he sold his interests. Mm -hmm. He was the, the manager. He's like the owner. He had been in his family, I think, for a couple generations. And they just moved to California, never looked back. Do you want to talk about the uh, psychic slumber party? Okay, so after the Lutzes moved out, it was time to call in some experts. 
Ed and Lorraine Warren, self-proclaimed demonologists, were brought in to inspect the home that had been nothing but a nightmare for the Lutzes. Upon entering, Lorraine claimed to experience an overwhelming sense of sadness and depression. Sounds redundant, but okay. In the basement, Ed experienced what he called an inhuman presence. He described it as such. It was as if I were standing beneath a waterfall. The pressure was driving me down to the floor. I demanded, in the name of Jesus Christ, what was there to reveal its identity. I understood right at that point that what we were dealing with was no ghost. This was no ordinary haunted house. The Warrens called in for backup, bringing in a few professional psychics they knew to spend the night at the house to see what would come up for them. Channel 5 News even covered the event. One of these sensitive types was Mary Pascarella, who identified as a time walker. She claimed to have the ability to see things that occurred in the past in that of a particular location. Mary says she was reciting the words, Our Father, while in the basement, and witnessed strange figures reciting those words back to her, Our Father, but in reverse. During the first seance of the night, Mary became ill and had to be removed. The consensus from the event was that the entity inside the house had never been human. It was something evil, forged in the bowels of hell, and it would be no easy feat to rid the premises of its demonic hold. So Ed and Lorraine Warren explained that they were not equipped to perform such an exorcism, and that they'd be risking their lives to do so. They recommended a Roman Catholic priest do the honors. George and Kathy, however, quickly returned the ownership of the house to Columbia Savings and Loan. The Lutzes spent the rest of their lives insistent on the fact that 112 Ocean Avenue was haunted and that most of what they claimed to have occurred there was true. They even took a polygraph test and passed. The couple were, however, struggling with heavy financial issues, and many skeptics believe that this was an elaborate scheme to make some money. In 1979, the Lutzes... You said that that's not true. It's, it was the DeFeo's lawyer... Yes. The, so DeFeo's lawyer claimed that the ins, the entire story of the hauntings was fabricated one night over several bottles of wine. Um, but I guess this guy kind of parted ways with the Lutzes on bad terms. Yeah, so it sounds... Uh, there's varying accounts, obviously, as there are of everything in this story. But it sounds like he came up with the idea to make a book with the Lutzes mm-hmm. uh, before the actual author, Jay Anson, was involved. And so, um, according to him, they conjured this idea for this book. And then uh, he basically said that they would split the royalties on it. And when they asked whether or not some of those royalties would then go to uh, the murderer, Ronnie Butch, uh, they split on bad terms, saying that they didn't want to work with him anymore. Mm-hmm. So that seems to be uh, generally accepted consensus on what happened there, or at least according to but those who believe Weber. If this lawyer was mad at them, he, he could have made this whole thing he up. Could have embellished a lot, yeah. Especially if he just approached. It's very possible that he just yeah. approached them one day and said, "I want some royalties for this. Uh-huh. Like you talk about me in this a little bit." And so when they said no, he could just very well just be mad at them, right? You don't know. So, somebody's lying. Well, 
Uh, yeah, George. Okay, so George does admit the the father, George Lutz. He did admit at some point that he talked to Weber about the idea of a book before a book was actually made, mm-hmm. and he's actually one of the ones who uh, he he accepts and claims that he did cut off ties with Weber when he found out that Ronnie would get some of the royalties. Mm-hmm. So that conversation, I think, definitely did take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to what degree what Weber says is true, I don't know. Yeah, George did admit years later. I don't know if I'm jumping too far ahead, but he admitted years later that certain elements of the book were embellished from ooze dripping from the walls and the number of flies on the mirror, certain stenches, I think. Uh, He admitted in the documentary that some of it was at least partially fabricated, which brings into question the validity of everything. Right. Totally. Um, So Daniel Lutz, the oldest of the children who lived in the home, is now in his late 40s and claims to this day that his experience there ruined his entire life. He still seems completely traumatized, and during a documentary, which I found out Selena actually watched, um, Not so I guess he, he stood outside the house but wouldn't go in it. Mm-hmm. He's just like, absolutely the fuck not. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2017, the house was sold to an undisclosed buyer, and it has been owned by four other families since the murders occurred. So, But I believe all the other families are saying that it's like nothing happened. Really? really? All the other families that say that yeah. Yeah, nothing happened there? The, the next family to buy it was, like, even only, I think, like, a year or two later. It was pretty close. Um, was the Cromarties. Uh, they moved in 1979 after uh, they had already, the other family had already gone to the West Coast and gotten away from it all. And so they said that nothing weird happened except for the people who showed up to look for weird stuff happening. They said that, <laughs> that, was, they said that was infuriating. They had to change the address of the yeah, house. Yeah, I read that. Um, so Didn't they also change the little eye windows or something? Oh, did they? Yeah. So it looked less like a it looked, face? It looked less like a face. <laughs> That's a good move. Yeah. Let's <laughs> <laughs> um, undemon this house. So in the aftermath there, good housekeeping, oddly enough, and several other publications made stories about what had happened to the Lutzes without the Lutzes' approval. And so the Lutzes, having already moved to the West Coast, found out about this, and they sued the publishers and the authors, and uh, all the publishers ended up getting, uh, those cases got dismissed, but I guess the Lutzes settled out of court against a few people uh, for some money uh, for having actually penned those articles without the permission. Um, they, uh, the Cromarties also said that the locks and doors uh, that they said in the book were damaged by these evil spirits or whatever. Uh, they said that they looked original. They looked old. They didn't look replaced. They looked untouched and unmarred. So mm. uh, that was another little piece of evidence against the whole book story. Um, and in the end, actually, the Cromarties sued the Lutzes, as well as Jay Anson, the author of the book, and the book publisher, Prentice Hall, for fraud. And they actually ended up settling for a six-figure sum. Um, so a hey. good amount of money in the 80s. Uh, yeah. Um, saying So eventually, it, it seemed kind of clear to me that the author and the people depicted in the story admit to some level of fraudulent depiction of what happened. Mm-hmm. So is that why the family sued them? The one that moved in after, what was their name? The, the Cromarties? Yeah. Uh, they sued them for fraud, and um, I think they were claiming special damages just based on the fact that all these people were coming to their house yeah. as a result of these lies that were told, or what they Got call it. lies. Uh, why would you buy that house, though? Someone just bought the house where some of the Manson family murders occurred. I just... I think oh, they got it for the, even cheaper than the Lutzes, actually. It was bought by, like, that douchey ghost hunter from that from Ghost Adventures, I think. So, I guess people like that. <laughs> I mean, whatever makes you happy. 
They should turn it into a museum or something. Like, then, you know, people... Make some money for the city. Right. The city, like, hates it. I'm They're, sure. The city's historical society museum doesn't mention the defamers of Like I said, like, once. Amityville was once, like, this super hot vacation spot and where rich people lived and then this happened and I'm sure it was like god damn it now it's people coming in ghostbuster suits yeah well, that's how property. that's how I feel about the Cecil hotel like I don't care that you're slapping a new name on it never would I go freaking live there I don't it nope. makes no sense to me there's nothing you can do some people are actively against experiencing the supernatural some people seek it out because they want the thrill so so True. you I don't believe in this stuff, right? Not really. Would you ever, like, would you feel comfortable buying a house then that potentially could have been haunted? Um, I would have somebody... Okay, if, if there was a... If it was widely believed to be haunted, or some murders had occurred there or something, and people were spreading rumors that it was haunted, then I would have it thoroughly investigated, um, the property thoroughly investigated, to make sure that there weren't any issues with the piping and electricity and everything. I'd have everything looked over very carefully, because that's oftentimes the cause of what people think are the supernatural. That's right. So I would assume there was a greater chance of that, and would therefore be more hesitant to buy it, but not because I think it's haunted, but because I think there's probably something wrong with it. Mechanical Like, yeah. Yeah. Mm. So would I buy a house that had murders in it? Um, if I as a single person, uh, maybe. Yeah. Has a family man? If I had kids, probably not, because I think my kids would be afraid, and yeah. then I would take that burden upon myself. Mm-hmm. I'd feel bad about that. Mm-hmm. So, um, so in their shoes, I probably wouldn't have because of kids. What's it out again, George? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Why would you? Why would you move into a haunted house with children? It's mostly because his wife loved it. Had, That's right. Yeah, had, she really well, Kathy, find another house. God damn it, Kathy. And it was, like I said, like $30,000 outside their price range. Because when I was listening or when I was watching the documentary, um, the son explained it as she quickly, as they already had purchased the house, quickly was like, by the way, there's a couple murders that happened here. Is that okay? And like, just like had them move in. Because she's like, eventually they're going to find out what happened. Mm-hmm. Well, you legally have to disclose things like that. Yeah. Well, yeah, but that's the mom, like, telling her kids in passing, like, oh, look at this beautiful house. Oh, by the way, you know, six people died in it, but that's fine. I just don't, I don't know. That's weird of me. I don't think the kids knew about it. I, I want to say that he said that um, she told him. Huh. When they but were they were super young. Sure. Yeah. Um, like five, seven, and nine, I think. They were super young. So... Are, are you done? Do you um, well, when we talk about overall believability for each of us, I can I say a little I believe we're at that part. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, just an interesting part of the book that I think you can also bring full circle to other cases that you talk about as well is uh, what the, the priest, Father Mancuso, what his higher-ups say when they're discussing the possibility of this being some sort of diabolical interference. They say there are uh, three considerations you have to take into account before you talk about the diabolical or the divine. The first is fraud and deception, which, you know, occurs all the time. People lie about the things they hear. Uh, not everybody's lying. I understand that, but it happens. So you got to consider that. The second one is natural scientific causes, which includes things such as auto-suggestion and hallucination, which are in the realms of non-parapsychological psychology. And then there is the parapsychological causes. And I don't necessarily believe in those, but it's something that they wanted to take into account uh, 
before thinking of the devil's handiwork. And so that includes uh, mental telepathy, clairvoyance, precognition, and psychokinesis. And like I said, I don't really believe in those things because I'm the naysayer here. Uh, but then, only then, would you move on to diabolical influences and, of course, miracles, which is the flip side to that. Um, for me, I think they saw some weird stuff. I, I believe they must have in order for them to move and leave everything behind. And uh, the boys, to this day, maintain that something weird happened. Missy doesn't talk about it because I'm sure that it's had a, I'm sure it's had a horrible impact on all their lives, having to uproot themselves and become this, the subject of such controversy. But something did happen. I mean, they still certainly experienced weird stuff. Um, there's enough There's enough evidence out there that some of it was embellished or fabricated that I, I believe that they were scared and got out, but I don't believe it was supernatural. I think that there were problems with the house, and I think that George... Uh, was kind of an angry, weird guy, and <laughs> he was under a lot of stress and started being a dick to his family, and they started being dicks back, <laughs> and everything kind of spiraled out of control, and uh, yeah, then they, they took off. So I believe that they were scared. I don't believe it was supernatural. So you feel like it was more kind of like suggestive kind of stuff? Like you have this notion of like there's crazy things in the house, so like you hear a creak, you're like, oh my god, that's, you know... You're in a house where you're not used to like the, the new ventilation system, mm-hmm. and you think a cold spot is something weird, when in fact it's just near the vent or yeah. near a crack in the window. Yeah, I think that it was auto-suggestion, for sure. Well, and also, it's an older house, like... It was 50 years old at the time, and it was I'm, built in a time when they weren't exactly built to earthquake standards. Well, yeah, and I'm pretty sure, you know, there wasn't AC and heat, so I'm sure there were little weird pockets of cold or mm-hmm. pockets of hot and, or something uh, like that. A fireplace and radiators... And you can't really rely on that for consistent temperature. Aren't radiators scary? Isn't that in Home Alone? He gets scared of the, yeah. <laughs> the radiator. You remember that? Air conditionings can be air conditioners can be too. Remember Brave Little Toaster? Fuck no, oh, no, that is terrifying. No. In the last episode of Cinematic on X Mortis, we talked about uh, Brave Little Toaster and how fucking terrifying it is. Oh, super scary! It's terrible. Um, I was gonna say. So the kids, like, when you're a kid, and they were young. They were young. And, you know, it's very easy to, like, suggest things to kids. Like, all these kids' memories might not even be memories. It could be, like, stuff their parents told them, and they created the memories Mm -hmm. in their mind. You know? Like, the, the parents were like, oh, I remember one time when you were a kid, or, like, told them, like, or even if it did start with, like, Missy having an imaginary friend. Yeah. That's just an imaginary friend until your parents tell you it's a pig demon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and then suddenly your childhood is a nightmare. And yeah. now, all of a sudden, you're seeing a pig demon mm-hmm. because yeah. your parents said it was Put a pig demon. that in your demon. head. Um, fuck, what was I going to say? You know, uh, this is complete uh, nonsense, but you, you said Father Mancuso, and my brain was like, Mancuso. What does that sound like? My brain started going, Mama say, Mama Sao, Mancuso. Like it started like singing the song. What? <laughs> Never mind. The Michael Jackson yeah. song. Yeah. And I was like, oh, brain, come on. <laughs> Don't do this. It's okay. I started thinking about South Park. Like, yeah. And Brave Little Toast over here. If you if, if you're listening, you look online though at articles. Father Mancuso is not his real name. That's his name in the book. Uh, uh, I don't remember what his real name was, but it's out there. 
It's in the ether. It doesn't matter. Um, what about you guys? I want your opinions on believability. What do you think? I don't want to believe because I don't want... I'd you don't want pig demons to no, be real? No, I yeah, don't. I don't want pig and demons to be real either. What if despite the red eyes, it's really cute? A cute pig demon? Not, uh, yeah, like maybe... I like picture, compass. like... Maybe drawn in like pow, uh, like powder puff, power puff, power puff style. Like you know, how like oh, the devil. Yeah, he's like basically just a drag queen. queen. Yeah, <laughs> but like you know, like that. Like yeah, if, yeah, totally. But you know, maybe. But um, I don't know. I go back and forth because I like um. They said I did watch the documentary, and ugh, I kind of want to say that. Why do I keep forgetting the son's name? Daniel? Mm-hmm. Yes. I want to say he's kind of just, like, crazy. Like, I think he had a fucked up childhood because I think George was just an ass. Mm-hmm. And they were, like, water and oil and, like, didn't budge. So I think... I don't know. I don't think it's true. In terms of the haunting elements of it, one thing we actually haven't discussed yet, and anybody who's more familiar with the case than us might be waiting for us to discuss, <laughs> is uh, the fact that there was, like, a well beneath the house and... Um, there were rumors that there was somebody had maybe died in that well, or that they were also, right. or that was built on an Indian burial ground. Oh, that, that style. Yeah, I Stephen did actually. King shit. I I I wanted to look up. I wanted to look it up because actually, my boyfriend had brought that up with me. He's like, "Who who had the house before?" I was like, "Oh, I don't know." Like that would have been good. To I think it changed hands three or four times before the Defeos. Really? Yeah, I think it was owned by a number. So of then, mm. what if this is something that? Is even older than that. Yeah. Well, because even though all the Lutz stuff, like, could be mostly fabricated, like, what is up with that murder? Why was there no sound? Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Like, there's something, I feel like that's the creepiest part of this whole case. Yeah. That's the creepiest part of this whole case to me. Why no one heard the gunshots. Well. The victims ran away. At one point. Um, he says that the sister Dawn had helped him with the murders. She had said that she killed the father and then the mother freaked out. So she killed the mom and then killed everybody else. And then he had to kill her. I read that too. I don't, I don't believe anything he says. But yeah. His, but then his again, word is nothing. He's changed his story about right. 30 times. So. But also, but if somebody helped him, as soon as he said it was me, he would have then right then said, and somebody else, because you're gonna obviously. Yeah. He's looking for every way to pawn off the blame I on would, anybody else. I want to ask but him, his, like, what the fuck happened? Why did no one hear? But his attorney right away would have tried to get him to get a plea deal by throwing somebody else under the bus. Yeah. So. Yeah. His attorney seems pretty scrupulous. Like it sounds like he would have done anything really to get this guy out. Yeah. So, but what's kind? Of- <laughs> God damn it. We're such professionals. <laughs> but what I do think is kind of an interesting correlation between both of them is that both father figures were kind of assholes. So, like, maybe it's the demons. House, well, maybe the house attracts that kind of energy. It's like the Cecil Hotel again. Yeah. Like, it's the house. Yeah. It'd be interesting to find out... Even though the families that had lived there after said that nothing had ever happened, but it would be interesting to find out what kind of, like, the 
the husbands that lived there, what kind of personalities they had. Well, that's actually an interesting point I hadn't thought about is, um, well, for one, the, the same priests who outline these different considerations, uh, they also said that objects can't be possessed, only people can be possessed. And so oh, I, I, no, I, that's, that's a whole nice to know. It's a whole other topic. I don't know. There's also, that's, th- that's possession, remember? Uh, yeah. So there's temptation. The devil's works are temptation, obsession, possession, and infestation. Infestation is more where your house is doing all sorts of crazy shit. Possession, though, can only happen to people, according to these priests in the book. Oh, got it. So what's interesting to me, and I hadn't thought about this, is that most of the creepy things in the story come from the father's perspective. It's told from somewhat of a, uh, um omniscient standpoint where you can take in different characters' points of view. But what Kathy really sees is just something hugging her, reaching around her, making her feel kind of paralyzed. All things that you could accomplish by auto-suggestion. Mm-hmm. Um, and she it's claims that she saw the, uh, the hoof prints in the snow as well, but that entire story has been debunked by some to some extent by weather reports, and that's another story. But it seems like most of the real crazy shit that happens is uh, through Georgia's eyes. Mm-hmm. So the combination of that observation and the kids saying later in life that he was a bit of an asshole, it kind of might lead you, if you were to believe in possession, that uh, the story leads more towards possession of Ronnie DeFeo and then George Lutz. Um. So there's a possibility. It's just my voice. Okay, so what I think is that you know, there's two sides to every story, mm-hmm. right? And it's said that it's usually the truth is somewhere in the middle. Yeah? Usually, there's three not sides always. to every story. Each person and then what actually happened. Right. I think that's where you're... So, each person and then the ghost. Okay. The, the demon pig. Um, <laughs> Jody. Jody. What does Jody have to say about all this? So, I think maybe the house was haunted and, like, creepy stuff did happen. But not all that. No. I think maybe they experienced some creepy stuff that could have been explained by electrical shit, Mm -hmm. electrical disturbances or whatever. And then they decided to elaborate on that story, you know, and make some stuff up. I think it's suggestive, though, like... For instance, like, when I was growing up, so when I moved into our house, we were six. And it was a new house. It was settling in Crete. So my parents were like, oh, it's because my grandfather had been to the house once and then he passed away. So my my parents were like, oh, it's just your grandfather. He's, like, checking up on you in, like, a good way, like, a calming way. Mm -hmm. So I feel like then George did it the opposite and was like, oh, it's a demon. (laughs) So then you're like, oh, my God. The house cracked. Like, what's happening? Definitely not. So, I think a little haunted. You think a little haunted? Yeah. So, kind of in the middle. But how certain do you feel of haunting? Like even a little bit of haunting. So, on a scale of like, so out of a scale of one to five of how haunted it is, you say a one. But how certain are you of that one? So certainty instead of amount. Um. Or do you think it's a You know, one being you? Casper and five being Jody the pig. <laughs> where are we at? <laughs> where do we where do we go? Uh I'm gonna say it seems you firmly believe that there's something. 
right? You think there's like some sort of entity? Inside? Yeah. Okay. But maybe it wasn't even. Maybe it's just like I. I can see Kathy's like, you know, ghost that's like patting her hand and like feeling a presence. Because she's. But she said it was a calming energy, right. right? So like maybe it's that. One time, there's another time that she felt like she was being like completely paralyzed by it and held in place. And she also said that she had a dream where she was uh, having sex uh, with a different person uh, than George. Yeah, so... Well, uh, maybe maybe George pers- was just an asshole. I was like, I feel like that's just a bored, just like, like, middle-aged wife that's <laughs> like, just like please. Ryan Reynolds, yes! Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Anybody but the demon pig. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck. So, um... But I know, um... Didn't the kids say that they were paralyzed in their sleep or something like that and couldn't move? The dad George did. did. Yeah. Oh, and she said that that happened to her when she was awake, to the point where she got, oh. like, she got like knocked out for a second. Because I was gonna say that. sleep paralysis is a thing. Oh yeah, it's I've, happened to me. Yeah, it's oh, it's scary. It's horrible. But I mean, it's a thing. Yeah. Never do I think. Oh, the devil's like on top of my chest or something. Yeah, like did that. you feel hooves all over you? No. no, that's what he said. He, felt. he said he felt hooves. Yeah, when he but was paralyzing Ben. What if that's one of those things that you have that happen to you and you're trying to like reason it? So you're like, it was. Those were hooves. Mm-hmm. Like he felt something. In the yeah, mm-hmm. I uh, I just I feel like a lot of these stories have just been. <sighs> I feel like it. Re- if it really was haunted, though, every other family would have had some sort of encounter because when ed and lorraine went they even said that they didn't have the power in them to cleanse the house right so it must have been pretty strong so then yeah wouldn't it have i doubt it would just be like meh all right i've spent 40 years here i'm gonna move on to the next one okay so i don't believe in this stuff so prefacing my my uh approach i'm about to take just for the sake of playing the other side Mm -hmm. um Jody's advocate. Jody's advocate. <laughs> I'm about to be Jody's advocate. So. Um, throughout the story, a lot of other haunted stuff happens to Father Mancuso in his rectory where he lives. So uh, it starts having heavy poop smells, <laughs> but also he gets the flu three times. And every time he reaches out to help George and the family or thinks about helping George and the family, his symptoms get way worse. And he gets these crazy blisters on his hands that make it impossible for him to pick up anything. He has to hide them when he's talking to the other people where he lives. And, um, uh, also as he was driving home, his car broke down and then he had a friend who was another priest pick him up and then his windshield wipers were going crazy. So like it, it appears, um, if you, if I believe in this stuff, I would argue that this, this powerful force was so powerful that it could, it could affect things afar. Mm-hmm. And so maybe it was, uh, att- attracted to the Lutz family and followed them when they left the house, wherever they went until they got to California because crossing all that distance, maybe you couldn't go that far, but maybe now it just, it left the house in pursuit of them and is out there in the ether somewhere. So do you think it followed them or do you think that was something else warning them not to go back? Cause you said his symptoms would occur when he thought about going or if they contacted them. So what if it was something on the other side saying, don't go. Same with like the the you said the car broke down, mm-hmm. the windshield wipers were going all crazy. Two different cars, yeah. Yeah. So what if that was just a different spirit just saying, "Don't go," don't trying to go. protect him. Yeah. yeah. He also had another priest uh, call him and say that he had gotten a call from somebody who didn't say who they were, but they said it was the same guy who picked him up when his car broke down. Actually, towards the end of the book, you find out that he called him and said, "Look, some dude called me and said 
tell the priest not to go back or I'll kill him. Never mind, that doesn't sound like a good spirit. <laughs> it doesn't sound that like doesn't, a good spirit. That doesn't. And it was uh, directly preventing communication like, on the phone. Sounds line. like Butch. <laughs> Tell him I'm gonna pull a gun on him. I'm gonna threaten him with a rifle. Tell him I'm gonna run him with my rifle. You're getting a call from county jail. Yeah. Yeah. Would you like to accept this call? Sure. Don't go or I'll kill you. Don't help the priest. Oh my god. So, so my argument, if I believed in all of it, would just be that it followed them or tried to. And left the I house so that the Cromartys could live in peace. And like that, that would explain the sudden absence of hauntings. Mm-hmm. Cool. And also, I guess it just proves that when you go to California, everything's good. It's true. Everything is better. That's unless, why everyone's moving Unless you're here. Chris or Danny, which everyone said his life was ruined. Yeah. Da- Daniel. Daniel. He said that um, I, he's he works for UPS. And, um, That's why his life was ruined. <laughs> He got really friendly with those ugly brown (laughs) (laughs) He said he got really friendly in whatever town he lived in. I forgot which one it was. But um, when it was, when he first moved there, he hated it because, what's his name in the book? Because I don't think they called him Daniel in the book, right? The son? Yeah. It was Danny. Yeah. Okay, then maybe in the movie it's a different name. Oh, that, yeah. But he said that um, people would come up to him with like three different names. So he was like, he never felt like he was himself. He always just felt like he was a character. Uh, mm. So he like he had to deal with being a child actor without ever having the fun of starting. Yeah. A movie. Bummer. Because yeah, you're just known from the kid from Amityville. Mm-hmm. Like that's shitty. Yeah. He's all just trying to deliver your package, but yeah, sure, go ahead and ask me about fucking pigs and and Jody. (laughs) (laughs) I think it's kind of interesting though because I'm pretty sure he's the most vocal out of the children the other ones I haven't heard about any of them I haven't heard yeah he's the most vocal Missy doesn't talk about it from what I've heard I haven't heard about the other son talking about it either okay so I feel like that plays into it too okay because wouldn't you I mean if you really had all that shit happen to you wouldn't you talk about it I have no idea so which one's the more vocal one Daniel. 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 Okay. I want to see which one's the oldest. Daniel. He is the oldest. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, that is interesting. The one with the least imagination at the time would be the most affected by it. Mm. Oh, that's that, interesting. That lends some but what if, credence to the but events. What if that kind of goes with it because they were younger, they just came in, left their minds, and that's that. I know for me, I don't remember a lot from my childhood. Not that it, it wasn't traumatic in any way, just... Yeah. I, I didn't retain memory, that information. I have this memory from my childhood, and here's the thing. I can't remember if it happened to someone in my class mm-hmm. or me. Yeah. That's how weird memories are from being a kid. Yeah. So... It's bizarre. Yeah. You never know. Maybe he had the least imagination, but he was the most suggestible. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. Um, I guess we're good. I think we're going to have to wrap it up. Do you... Okay have an obsession i do okay (gasps) yay (laughs) um my obsession actually took place yesterday and it's something that i've been looking forward to since i think we bought the tickets in april and it was a concert at the queen mary which wraps up to an episode that we talked about do we end up cutting that queen mary ghost hunting no it's in lisa lamb part two we talked about going and haunting the Cecil? After we talked about... No, I thought we talked about going to the Queen Mary. Um, Did you guys go there? No. 
I we talked about the Queen Mary for like half an hour before we started recording. Oh, that's what it was. To be honest, all of these recording days are just starting to blur oh, yeah. together. People are like, oh my god, this thing you said last episode. I'm like, uh, I don't remember. But yeah, so I went to the Queen Mary yesterday for a festival called Once Upon a Time, the LBC. And it was so fun. It was West Coast rap, and that's like what I grew up with. So it was just a good time. Awesome. I danced the whole day. It was fun. That's nice. Yeah. I went to an Electronica show once there. At the, it wasn't on the boat, right? It was no. On, it was on yeah, the I forget what they it's call that. The, the Queen Mary performance arena or yeah. something like it's that. It's like a Halloween crazy thing. That yeah. That's pretty cool. I kind of laugh though because I was more excited that they had an Asahi bowl um, <laughs> vendor than like beer. Yeah. And they had really cute names. Um, one was called um, it was a play on Ariana Grande. I think it, I think it was an Asahi Grande bowl. Then they had a Janelle Bonet. Oh. And then one was Bully Eilish. Okay. And then I forget what the other one was. That's cute. And I was like, all right. I'm going there. You got my money. Yeah. Your consumerist trick worked. <laughs> God damn it, I'm the demographic. But it was fun. And I also think that's why I could not speak today. I was out in the sun for, God, like, way too many hours. The sun is, like, more damaging than whiskey. And also, let me say this. It was a, it was a hip-hop concert. I mean, it was, like, Snoop Dogg, YG, The Game, all that kind of stuff. The amount of weed in the area, oh, yeah. because get this, this tripped me out because now that obviously it's legal, they had vendors there. No way. I, it was the weirdest thing. You could literally just go buy blunts. Oh, jeez. And That's Chris crazy. and I don't do that because he's a federal employee, but I swear, the, it was, at one point I looked up and literally there's just a cloud <laughs> that you're in and I was like, this is so weird. It is weird. So I'm blaming that on the reason why I could not speak today. Yeah, like a four-hour contact high. Oh, my gosh. I kid you, because we were there since, like, 12 mm-hmm. till 10. I'd probably enjoy that for, like, a half-hour, hour, and then I'd be like, okay, I want some fresh air. I can't. Well, that's I how can't. it was. At one point, it was like you kind of, well, and because everyone around you is doing it, so at one point, you're kind of just like, can I go somewhere? But, like, it follows you everywhere. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not into Yeah, that. you're squishy balls from a dispensary. Oh, is it really? Mm-hmm. Med men. Cool, thank you. But it worked. <laughs> Did you feel calmer this episode? No. Um, I feel like I was just <laughs> at one point. No, at one point you saw yourself. I think t- playing with your pen. I did. And we were all, I picked up Where'd my pen and I was like, oh, "No, wait, no, where's my ball?" <laughs> and it was on the ground for mm-hmm. some reason. Okay, whatever. Do you have something you're obsessed with this week? Um. <laughs> I know you get to play with that. I know, like part of the part of the crew. Uh, Any I'm gonna TV go. Shows, um, oh yeah, actually, good question. Definitely. That's an easy it's, one. It's always what mine is. I am one episode away from finishing the the boys, that new Amazon show about like superheroes who don't oh, have to use their oh, powers for good. That's right. And I like the guy like, in it. Like corporate tools, mm-hmm. and uh, the show is it, it's absurd and gory and brilliant in my opinion. It's a lot of fun. Ooh, okay. I like Would the I guy like in it? it. I think so. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's definitely a darker take on superheroes. I don't want to give anything away, but uh, I, I'm really enjoying it. It is gory. If you don't like gory, darker watch it. like um, Watchmen kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, you could say that. Yeah. Um, 
But in more of a more modern context, yeah. I would say okay. a more believable, if you... I don't know about believable, but in a more realistic context yeah. to some degree. Okay. It's, it's basically like superhero-ism has been corporatized. And there are people with superheroes in the in the show, like actual superheroes, superpowers, and um, they're basically like managed by a corporation that makes money off of like merchandising. So the entire thing is a bit of a jab at Marvel in an abstract way, but uh, it definitely tells its own story. Interesting. I'll have to watch it. Yeah. I need something else to watch. I always need something else to watch. I've also starred Priest or Preacher. Have you guys seen Preacher? Part of it. It's a comic book. That's one with Dominic yeah. Cooper, right? Yeah. Oh my god, I would. I'm almost done with the first like season of that too. Really, Dominic Cooper? You got like a crush on Dominic Cooper? He's hot. Interesting choice. Um, hi, he's, he's like, in Mamma Mia. You don't think he's cute? I watched four minutes of Mamma Mia and shut it off. This is why we're friends. I couldn't stand it. I like Abba. I just don't. I didn't like the. I was just like. Oh, I can't do it. I can't. Okay, I've seen the whole movie. I did sit through the whole thing because my mom said I would like it, and she was not correct. First I, one or second one? First one. I've never seen the second. I could. Good, I would. I've heard good things. Cher is in the second one, and I couldn't even get myself. To my watch mom and I it. ugly cried throughout the whole movie. It was so good. I loved it. In the first one, I could handle it, but like Chris Brosnan shouldn't be seeing one. Oh, no. we all know that. You can't I deny that. I, I love him as James Bond. He runs like a girl, and he sings like a man. He and runs like, like a girl? First of all, sexist language. We're going <laughs> to shut that down right now. He was doing okay. so good. Right. Pick a different... Like a, like a toddler. Simile. Like an awkward toddler. An awkward toddler. So now women... Yeah. We, I went there, too. We look like... We walk like... Well, I can't undo the previous statement. I'm giving you a new simile. <laughs> so, I probably run like an awkward toddler. I mean, like, there's too much. There's too much R movement. Um, oh, I get it. Well, you you don't watch Friends. Do you watch Friends? Yes. When Phoebe runs, she runs like that. <laughs> it's it, not by that bad, but yes. Oh, okay, got it. <laughs> she runs like a Phoebe. Yeah. Yeah, I think he actually had to oh. take lessons during the filming of Goldeneye to run. You can't in a run more, like this when you're James Bond. In a more aerodynamic ma- manner. To where if they slow mo it, it would look all... You have to look a lot. like Tom Cruise. Look yeah. hot while you're Run running. Run like Tom Cruise. If you're... Do it again, <laughs> but hotter. Someone's yelling at you to do that. Yeah. <laughs> Run hotter. Be more hot this time. So, him singing, and at the end, when the water splits out of the ground, starts spreading up in the air, it's like... It was just too cheesy for me. It was just... Yeah, I couldn't. I like the music. I couldn't do it at all. I like a lot of people who were in it. Just, oh god, it's so it. good. Colin Firth is in it. Yeah, I love him. Oh, it's so good. Still can't. Still can't do it. Um, what's your obsession? Heather? My obsession is silence. <laughs> just absolute silence. No, I'm. Just, I'm just being. Not a bitch. the movie by Scorsese that came out a couple of years ago. No, it has Adam I Driver in it. Wasn't I'm that? I'm sorry, what? Yeah, I had Adam Driver in it. Oh, but that was also rated like one of the worst movies, wasn't it? I don't think so. I think it just, I don't know if Anything with Adam Adam Driver is a masterpiece. Ooh, it was super long. I remember my brother being like, well, I think it's, I think it's love. Yeah. Oh. But I think it's, it's supposed to be very good according to critics. It's but the Adam Driver and the guy who played why can't I remember is it Tom Holland not Tom Holland no um, the other one the other Spider-Man isn't it Tommy McGuire Andrew no. Garfield Andrew, Andrew it, is, Garfield. it is, is the other Spider-Man let's just go through all the Spider-Man yeah, through all the Spider-Man to get there yeah because <laughs> there's been about a thousand in about ten years Tom Holland's the best 
That is true. Do you guys care about my obsession? Or not? I think we're giving you time to think of No, I haven't. Oh, continue. My obsession is Claws. I want to watch that so bad. It's so good. It doesn't look up my alley. I don't... I was not speaking to you. I also um, think it's hilarious that I have clients that think I would like it just because I have claws. Well, it is great. Yeah. You've it's seen not, Ash is so good, though. It's not what you think. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like Breaking Bad, kind of. I was just going to say, I was literally about to say, I think it's the Breaking Bad of nail salons. Yeah. Yes. Okay, so it is what I think. Once again, not speaking to you. Um, I accidentally didn't realize my TV was recording it. Uh-huh. I thought that it was on a, like a really long hiatus and I didn't like understand. So it turns out I had like five of them to watch. So I binged it yesterday yeah. and I, it's just, I love it. So I like much. the people in it. Yeah. It's crew. She's in it. Yes. I love her. I, I, I only know her from this. Yeah. So I Googled her yesterday mm-hmm. and learned all about oh, yeah. everything. She's, she's living her life right now. She dated that douchebag for a while. Yeah. Well, she, and now what? She had a couple douchebags apparently. Well, Chris Brown being, she, yeah. Douche, Megan she douche. had a, a restraining order against him. Yeah. And um, he still comments on her Instagram every now and it's so away. weird. No. But yeah, now she's dating Victor Cruz, I want to say. And she's, like, living her life. Is like he an athlete? Oh, I don't know who he is. Okay. I just know about, because I follow the Shade Room, so I get updates on her all the time. But, um, what? He's a football player? Mm-hmm. Oh. Are you sure? Pretty sure. There we go. Okay. I guess, I guess you're about the guy would know that. Sure he played for the New York Giants. I don't know if he still does. I don't think he's still I guess plays. you're useful then. Thank you know how you. that stuff, you only get, like, a five-year run, and then, you know, you end up with, like, and CTE. And then you're, like, over. Yeah. And now you're a nobody. You end up with CTE with and, like, not craziness. really very many marketable skills. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a real downer profession so, for the most yeah. part. But, yeah, she's living her best life. Well, uh, guess that's all. Thank you guys for having me on the show. Oh, you're welcome. I had fun. Thanks for coming. Yeah. Did you really have fun? Yeah, of course. Okay. Except for when I was told you to were, shut up. <laughs> Which time? You were our first guest. So yeah. That's a I'm, I'm actually deal. honored. You should be. I that's am. a big deal. There's, there's no facetiousness in my tone. Good. I'm going to be 100% honest. I did not want to cover this case at all. And this actually was a fun episode. It was great. I couldn't fucking speak. I think this is my favorite episode. You, you said that with book, everyone. And I really liked the book. You you like books? No, what are you school talking broke about? me. I've oh, only, that's right. I've only read a couple books for fun that's in the last, right. like, five years. Because law school. I just... Because <laughs> I was so busy being smart. Well, because you had to read, no, like, to read boring, so thick, much. horrible books. I used to love reading. This is why I didn't go to school. Trade. All the way. I'm not making any money at it right now anyway, so... Yeah. Hasn't really paid off. Okay. Happy note to end on. Oh. <laughs> anyway. What? What's her... <laughs> Sign off. I'm never gonna remember our sign off. I feel like maybe I could have it literally tattooed on me, and I'd still be like, uh, "What is it?" So yeah, I'm gonna let you start it this time, then, just so you can <laughs> so you can learn it, learn as you go. That's a very bad thing. Um, that's it for us this week. We'll see you again on Thursday. Uh-huh. If you miss us in the meantime, remember. We're always with you in spirit. And we love you to death. death, death.